Hi, I'm Colton Lindsay. Welcome to The Colton Lindsay Show, where I interview top producers that are growing and scaling their business, creating financial freedom, and living a life that they're addicted to. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with someone else. Thanks for being here and enjoy the episode. All right, here we are with Peter Lorimore. Um, so he is a um, music producer. It's his background. Turned number one uh, Keller Williams agent in Los Angeles who now has his own company with uh, around 200 agents and he's serving kind of the new world of real estate. So Peter, welcome to the show. And in the first 90 seconds, just give that quick background of where you were and how you got to where you're at. Okay, so, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, Colton. Um, I, uh, so I'm obviously British. I've been in Los Angeles for 26 years. I was a uh, former record producer with about 30 number ones in the Billboard Club charts, 25 number ones in the Music Week Club charts in the UK doing house music, which is what you youngsters now call EDM. Um, and decided, was in that from, from a young age, and, uh, uh, and then around the turn of the century, decided to kind of do something different, took my winnings, uh, had a number one in 12 countries, and on the day I retired from the music industry, took my winnings and started plowing it into real estate investments, not really knowing what I was doing, just following my gut. And then um, I had a, a lot of, cre- LA is full of creative people. It's the movie business, it's the film business, it's, it's just full of creatives. And I thought to myself, because no offense against Keller Williams, because they're, they're a great company, but I felt like I was walking in a bank every day. And I came out of recording studios and like, you know, with this super creative environment. So I wanted to start a company that catered to creative agents and creative people in LA because I thought there was a niche. Yeah. I was clueless of whether it would work or not. And it, we started in a room this big and now we've got four offices, 200 agents and we're, 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 we're kicking ass. That's cool. You know, I love the uh, idea of the creative uh, lifestyle in, in real estate. I was, I was mentioning ahead of the show with Kevin Sturdivant. He, he's kind of that style. Um, that's one thing. I actually used to be a Keller Williams agent too, uh, top 1% here in the marketplace. And it almost was like I had to fit uh, a mold, which, I mean, I'm a t-shirt and jeans and hat kind of guy. That's how I roll here in Ogden. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's cool to see the different marketplaces really owning their own mold. So why real estate though? Like, cause you were, you're in music, you had an amazing career. Like obviously like that's a complete shift. Well, there's, there's, there's kind of like, there's a few stories interwoven and there's some, you know, shit, I guess. Ugh. Let me bust out the real story. Uh, cause there, there's one that's not quite as deep. So it's really multifaceted. I was at a crossroads in my life, Colton. I was in music business I, I was that kid who, uh, I was a, actually a classical musician playing with orchestras, touring. In England, you don't need to show ID. If you look 18, you're in a club. Yeah. So I was clubbing at like 12 and 13 years old, touring with orchestras around the UK with musicians of 18, 19, and 20. And they were like, yeah, come in the club with us. You're tall, just come with us. And I remember in about 1985-ish, 86, I heard ooch, 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 ooch for the first time. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. So I dropped out of high school at 15, moved to London, uh, had a flourishing career. And, uh, and then 
what was your question again? <laughs> Why real estate? You, you oh, are- thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So house music is associated with nightclubs. Yeah. Nightclubs are associated with high living, right? And I partook in everything. And it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll for 15, 16, 17 years. And I realized that I kind of needed to get out, dude. It was going to kill me. Yeah. And it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I flew around the world. I DJed in fantastic places. I, 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 I worked in Ibiza a bunch. Uh, and it was awesome. But I'm like, I'm going to die. Yeah. So I was dating this. I'm trying not to use bad language. Do you swear on your thing? You can say what the fuck you'd like to say today, sir. <laughs> she was a, she was just a, she was just a nightmare, dude. She was a nightmare. Anyway, so she had this real, she had this uh, furniture business, this antique, high end, fancy shit, right? And she folded that business and became a real estate agent, and she was toxic. So I'm like, and then she, I saw her becoming successful, and I'm like, she's a nightmare. So she can do it, I can do it. And I'd been looking for something to take my, my music business money to plow into. Mm. And I'm like, wow, I see opportunity here. Uh, in large part, because my mom li- lived, she passed away last year, but she lived in the UK and I knew her house was X amount. My brother moved to Australia from England and his house was four times the price of LA. And I'm like, huh, this internet thing probably means people are gonna move to LA and people are going to work from here and the city's going to fill up. So I'm going to start buying property. And I started buying property in shitty areas that nobody would touch because I thought, well, it's really close to Sunset Strip and it's going to pop. And then a lot, the the extraordinary thing is, then my tribe came out, Mm -hmm. right? My music business folks who saw me working and doing real estate and putting my money in what I believed were like, Ooh, Pete, will you help us get some investments? And, and then one thing led to another. I got licensed and I started at Keller Williams in 2005 with a very little tiny client base. Mm-hmm. And then I just grew and I was just relentless. I just would, I just would not take no. I had a new baby, you know, mm-hmm. shit. Let's let, here's something that's interesting because I did not have a successful music career, but I had a very successful sex, drugs, and alcohol career. <laughs> and that, that seems to be... Um, one of the things that, that actually exited for me in that space, I had a great friend of mine pass away, right? Amazing at real estate, but he was into sex, drugs, and alcohol, and music, and the party and scene, right? What was the indicator for you that you're like, dude, I got to make a shift. Like, this, this is not going to end well for my, for my physical body and my life if I don't make that shift. Well, I've been sober now 18 years. So... I, it wasn't one particular moment. I knew when I went out, well, let me tell you one particular moment. Uh, I always used to find the people that parted the hardest, right? And I would, I would hang out with them and go to the after hours and then the after, after hours and then back to somebody's house and have three, four day benders. And then I used to go to the DJ conference every, um, uh, March, right? It's called Winter Music Conference, which is now the Ultra Festival in Miami. Yeah. And it's where the world of dance music converged. Mm-hmm. And I remember once being so fucked up and I was walking down, I forget the name of this, the main street there. And I saw my pal, who was a, ga- a girl, 
and I knew she used to like to get hammered. And she, we were on opposite sides of the street, and I'm, I won't use her name. I'm going to pretend her name's something else, like Jenny, right? I'm like, hey, Jenny, what's up? And I saw her kind of pretend she didn't see me and keep walking. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that's my party girl. So if she, and I spoke to her afterwards, and she said, you were so messed up, I didn't even want to hang out with you. Wow. And that happened a lot. And I tried to get sober a lot. And it took me years of going in and out of the rooms and hanging out with sober people. And then one day, August 19th, 2001, it stuck. Never looked back. Do you, how do you deal with the stress of the real estate world? Because, you know, I'm with, with our academy and our mastermind, I work with the, quite a few high producers that they make a lot of money. They're very successful, yet they're, they'll call me and they'll be like, hey, I'm five to seven Oxycontin a day right now. Like it's like they're, they're still in that space. How do you process the stress of life now with that stuff going? I do it. I do it in a, in a, in a way. I mean, there's a long answer to this. I'm going to give you a short answer. The short answer is I'm not in charge, right? I re I keep 1000% out of expectations and 1000% in service. What I win and what I lose is none of my goddamn business. Mm. So I just put it, I just work, 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 work. And then I have goals and I have ambitions and I have lots of irons in the fire right now with TV stuff and, you know, other stuff and some film stuff coming up. Um, and I know what it feels like to, to, to put your, all your eggs in one basket, like, like a listing, for example, when I was a new agent mm -hmm. and I would go up and I wouldn't get the listing. I'd be devastated. Yeah. Then I learned through the years that, I learned this technique and I actually learned it from my wife. My wife's a Buddhist. She's from Vietnam. And I learned this technique from her, which is if you didn't get that listing, you were never meant to get that listing. The guy that got the listing was always meant to get it. So there is nothing you can do about it. It doesn't make him better or worse. It was just his time. And when I kind of embraced that, I'm like, whoa. So now I literally have zero stress and nothing gets to me because I believe the way that I look at life Colton is this every morning down the conveyor belt of life this big beautiful white cardboard box appears with a big pink bow on it I open the bow and it has today's the 20th right is it the 20th 22nd oh shit today so, so I look at it and it's like 11 22 19 right it's written on it with a big pink bow and I open it and inside there's you and there's like some other stuff and there's some puppies and some rainbows and some gr a great dinner coming up tonight. And then, you know, I open other ones and there's a hand grenade and dog shit and nails and a gun. And, and I'm like, I am not in charge of what comes down the conveyor belt of life and what's in that box. Yeah. I'm just in charge of how I handle it. Mm. And when one, I'm an ambitious dude, but all I know is my job is to run at a thousand miles an hour. Where the track leads is not up to me. Have you noticed that the more you just um, are more allowing and accepting of what's in the box down the conveyor belt, that there tends to be better presence and gifts in 
in the conveyor on the conveyor belt. Thousand percent. And they get better and better and better. Right. And there's another analogy, which is like, you're getting on a train and you're always wondering which station you're going to. If you just kick back, every station gets better and better and better. Now, the, the thing that is confusing is people go, well, how can you have ambition to, you know, what if my ambition, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but if my ambition was to have 500 agents in LA in 10 offices, right? Or six offices, whatever it is, maybe that's my goal. If it doesn't end up being that, that here is the real key, Colton. Here is the real key, in my opinion. Sometimes people get, we, sometimes we get so fixated on the result, a beautiful freaking gift can just walk by. Yeah. You know, and it's been open to receiving what's going to come. And it's a beautiful way to live because we are not in charge of the results, only the effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look at it like this because uh, I've started living my life like that the last few years. And it's transitioned since I told you my friend passed away, right? This guy had it all. He had the girl, he had the house, he had the girls, he had the money, the cars, the everything, right? And uh, he's dead. And I was like, I'm going to fucking die one day. Like, like you, I mean, we all know, Pete, we're going to die. But this was like the day it was like, you're really going to fucking die. How do you yeah. want to emotionally experience this life? And the more I've, I've sought this, not even a state, space of joy, but a space of wonder and awe, like, holy fuck, this is my life. This is amazing. All of a sudden, like someone like you shows up in my life, right? Like I didn't seek you out to be on my podcast, but yet here I am talking with this dude crushed it in the fucking music industry. He's got, he's a co-host on a Netflix series, right? The stay here show on Netflix. You got 200 agents. You're obviously very successful financially. Now I get a chance to learn from you. That's, that's the gift that just shows up in my fucking life. Now you fall, you, you get me here. Yeah. I'm in your box. Yeah. It's a cool fucking box. And I appreciate you being in my fucking box today. Cause I did not know what to anticipate with this, <laughs> this, this conversation. It's fucking cool, dude. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit. So your Netflix series, how did you, how did you get that rock and roll on here? The, the stay here Netflix series. To use the analogy of the box again, it was in the conveyor belt that day. Mm. So I strategy, right. And risk is all part of what we do. Yep. Um, and so when I was starting my boutique real estate firm in 2010, I went and spoke with a bunch of my mates that own Beverly Hills brokerages, like, you know, the Coldwell Banker and the big ones, Prudential back then. And everybody said, Pete, you're going to be crushed, dude. You're going to be crushed. This is Beverly Hills. You can't start a little firm. And I'm like, watch me, asshole. And so... I, with me coming out of digital music, I was very savvy with digital things. So when I saw, you know, originally MySpace and then Facebook and Twitter and all of this shit coming out, I'm like, this is the future of everything. And so when we started PLG, people were still deploying all their funds into, into print, right? Into newspapers, into postcards, into literature. And I was like, okay, we're going to deploy all our money on online advertising. And so we started creating really kind of ballsy original content from the get. And then as soon as I could, I jumped into video and just crushed it on video. I was relentless and wouldn't stop. I have not recruited any of my agents. 
They join through attraction, not promotion. What year did you start with video in your marketing? Probably 2015. Okay. 2014, 2015. So then, and as you started focusing on that, putting like, and I see it as, as digital marketing today is they could be taking a shit at two in the morning and I can be in front of them, right? Because everyone's got this phone in their face until it moves yeah. to fucking contact lenses or something. So, so where's it going from here? You, you saw that coming. You obviously are visionary with this side of, of, of real estate and marketing. Yeah. Where's, it, where's it going? Where are you taking the direction? So I think where, well, the direction that I am taking is, listen, I love, we all love Gary. I, and this is what makes the world a beautiful place. I agree with a lot of what he says. There is one thing, one part of it that maybe, maybe if I had a team of 15, but I know he did all this stuff on his own. But I am a believer in quality and quantity, Yeah. right? So I don't want to put 100 pieces out of content a day. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is, this has been a buzzword for a couple of, couple of years, but storytelling for me is everything. Yeah. And so I am going to be spending more uh, uh, resources on long-form content as opposed to, you know, just kind of quick hits here and there. So I'm going to be storytelling an awful lot more in, in 2020 and, and maybe 2021. And I'm not going to play the, I need to keep up with the amount of posts that everyone else does. Yeah. Because I'm seeing when I was doing posts, you know, three or four years ago, like, ah, come on, come to the, come to the meeting. We're going to be talking about this, this, and this. Barely anyone was doing it. Yeah. Now a lot of folks are doing it. So now, the digital landscape, it's almost like walking in Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah. Now, because there are so many people doing it, yeah. you got to make your book sizzle. Yeah. So I'm going to be spending time and money on almost creating TV shows yeah. that are purely for the internet. Yeah. You know who's done a great job of that, if you don't follow him, is Gerard Adams. He's, um, I don't know him. He's a super cool cat. He's, uh, I'm going to write that down. Uh, New York area. But um, so what he's done is he's created this, this show called leaders create leaders and he's taken longer form comment co content and turned it into a really great YouTube series interviewing people like you, but instead of just doing, you know, a, a 60 minute face to face like this, he's out there wherever they're at, you know, taking his film crew out there, interview them on site and piecing it together with some storyline along the way. It's really, really cool content that he's doing. I'll have um, to look at that. So, so platforms, obviously the organic reach is going down with a lot of the platforms. What is the way that you're staying in front of your organic users and are you spending ad money to stay in front of people as well? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I am a very big believer in spending uh, uh, um, on all platforms. I, you know, I don't get it right every time because on YouTube, I failed. And, and I now know why I failed, uh, which is, is fine. And I'm like, shit, this is a long game. You know, if I'm, if I'm feet first without a pulse, then, yeah. then, then that's fine. I'm going to quit. Yeah. But, but right now I'm like, I've deployed four years of videos onto YouTube to realize I got it wrong. Yeah. And I got it wrong because I went in too many different directions. So the algorithm goes, we don't know if you're a vlogger. We don't know if you're a real estate guy. We don't know if you're a lifestyle guy. We yeah. don't know what you are. 
and so my numbers on YouTube really struggled. So I'm about to do a complete reset on YouTube. I'm a very, very, very big believer in YouTube still. Yep. Because at the end of the day, the, there's a generation shift, right? You and I are probably right there. So my... Old enough to be your dad. <laughs> well, you said you started in 85. I was born in 84. So I, I was going to say, I was, I was discovering house music as you were being conceived. <laughs> Maybe two house music. Um, so my generation, when they, they Google shit, right? They yeah. Google. They be like, you know, best tomatoes in Los Angeles. Sure. Right? Yeah. Your generation goes on YouTube. Yeah. And actually, I go on YouTube as well. I don't really use Google. I'll always go on YouTube to find out how to do things or research things. So as that shift continues, YouTube, I think, is only in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think Instagram will never be a YouTube. It's trying. No. But I don't think it will be. So the platforms I love, Instagram, um, YouTube, Facebook, I, I kind of putz around on Twitter. I do love Twitter. I putz around on Snapchat. I putz around on TikTok. Um, but the big three are Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Now, if social media tanks and, we, and doing it, selling real estate with lemonade stands is the next big thing, that is what I'll be doing. But I think rising above the noise, knowing who you are, not just as an agent, not just as a, as a social media creator but also as an artist you've got to be an artist when you create social media you've got to know who you are yeah owning that artist hat but also owning the operator hat owning the uh, the owner hat and the boardroom hat and you get to the point where you're at i would imagine you're not wearing all of those hats in your organization now so it sounds like you're wearing a lot of times the artist hat the creating the vision and the direction of the company is that yeah i mean i actually am wearing all those hats believe oh wow not. that's wow yeah I am still incredibly hands-on with every facet. Like I will speak with my team. Now, up until this January, I was shooting and editing everything myself. Whoa, holy fuck. And I was like, I remember being slumped over in here like at two in the morning editing a video. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And then I set to trying to find people and it's really hard to find people who can translate what's in here to out there. And, and the best piece of advice I will give agents who are thinking about creating a robust social media presence, learn how to do it yourself. Yeah. Because until you can learn how to do it yourself, operate a camera or a phone or whatever, learn how to use iMovie, you can't talk in the speak that people can do it for you in. Yeah. I learned that from Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk, I didn't, not personally, I, I saw him speak on a video and this kid said, hey, Tony, what's the best thing, what's the best piece of advice you can give any up-and-coming skateboarder? And he said, learn every single aspect of your business. Learn about the wheels. Learn where the wood comes from, where the trucks come from, where the ball bearings are made and why those ball bearings are the right ones, which oil to use on the, on the board. And I'm like, that's, that's right. You, don't think, you wouldn't think he would think like that. You'd like, he's given all the best boards in the world, but he wants to know intense, elbows deep, how to do his game. 
That's cool. So we just had an event in September in Dallas, about 150 agents were there. One of the speakers was a guy named Danny Morell. He's out of Cucamonga, Ontario. Yeah. I know Danny. Danny. I know Danny. Super cool cat. But one of the uh, one of the cool things that I, I really loved about Danny is if we're still asking the question, should real estate agents be on social media today, then we've got some fucked up stuff in our industry, right? Like it's not a matter of should we be there. It's a matter of how do we maximize it? How do we, how do we grow it? So, so what, do you, what are maybe the top three ways you're maximizing your social media and your online content and your brand? All right. So that's a very big question to give three short answers. So number one, I am a very, very, very big believer in sphere, right? All, 86% of deals come from people you know. So I always start there first. I start with the people I know, sort of know, might know, could know. And I, very early on, I moved, I transitioned my personal page on Facebook to a business page so that I could create custom audiences, one of which is my A's, B's, C's of the people I know. So I know that ev not every single post, but strategic posts that I make, I push it to my sphere of influence. And then you I cross you're, 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 you're literally uploading the list and targeting them through paid ads. Correct. And then I have people that work in the music industry. And then I have people that live in the Hollywood Hills. And then I have, you know, I have probably a hundred custom audiences and I strategically go after them all. Um, and so oh, the three things that I would recommend you do is if you are not targeting the people that you know in your life, because they ain't necessarily finding everything you're posting, the days of posting on your personal page on Facebook and them seeing it are over. Yeah. You yeah. gotta pay. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is I get that people, and, and you know what? I got to tell you, Colton, when I was doing video in the beginning, I was like, oh shit, I better do this quick because my entire industry is all going to be doing video and they're all going to be awesome. Here we are four years later. There's <laughs> maybe 10 guys that are great, like Ryan Serhan kicks ass. Yeah. You know, there's several others, but there's less than 50, right? Yeah, for sure. Out of 2 million real estate agents in North America. Yep. I love those odds. Yeah, great odds. So they're great odds. So if you don't know who you are, or if you're scared to put out, if you're into freaking raves like me, and you're scared to put that out because your broker says, you know, I don't really think you should be posting you, you going to Ultra Festival and jumping up and down. You're at the wrong brokerage. Wrong fucking brokerage. I had that same problem with Keller Williams. I had that same problem when I looked at going to EXP and I was like, fuck it. We're opening our own shop because I don't want someone to tell me what the fuck I'm going to put on my <laughs> social media platform. They literally said I was too unprofessional. I was like, you can't say fuck today. Are you kidding me? Look at the world we live in. <laughs> yeah. So, and also there must be, oh, you know what's near you? Your company's awesome. There's also, what's that other one? The City Something Collective? Uh, City Collective in Salt Lake, I think is what it's called. They're dope. Yeah. If you're in Salt Lake and you're an entrepreneur, go see those guys because they're yeah, dope. They're doing some cool stuff for sure. That's cool. So um, let's talk about this because you, you gave some, some good couple hints there. We didn't get too deep into that, but culture. You've got 200 agents. How, yeah. do, you, how do you create 
how do you how do you consciously create the culture for your your organization? I'm sorry. Fucking thing. You know, shit blows up, right? Shit blows up. I'm like, somebody's like, emergency. I'm like, hang on. Um, how do we keep the culture? So that is an awesome question, right? So when I left Keller Williams, I, I had this, and I'm sure you went through the same thing, right? Being an agent and even being an entrepreneurial agent when you're at another company is cool. Yeah. When you open up your own shop, oh shit, it is a different ball of wax. And I remember being, oh shit. I'm a broker now. So I started looking at the, uh, at like the toilet paper we were spending and coffee and this and that. And I'm like, oh man, this is not what I want to do. Uh, shit, I forgot your question. <laughs> the culture. The, the, oh, the culture. How do we keep the culture? So, so what I started doing was, and this was a little bit of fear, right? When I was a new broker, I had a bit of fear. And so I started doing these semi-cool things, but not going all in. Yep. And so I began to hate it. Yep. And I remember going through this kind of thing with Cindy again, my wife, and I said, I got to go for this shit or, or what's the point? Yep. And so after a couple of years, after I got my, my, my sea legs, we just went all, all in on the culture, all in on the music business, and we keep our culture in the, in the front for the very simple reason it's real that's who we are you walk in our offices we got heavy metal playing we got espresso every corner people are getting hammered on espresso <laughs> um we i don't mind it when people wear suits but when people walk in there i you know i say to my agents to the dudes if you want to wear a tutu and some dr martin boots and sit my open house you can as long as you believe that's who you are for sure and that is how we keep the culture is kind of for any brokerage that isn't run like a corporate machine. The culture is the most valuable thing you got. Yeah. Which is interesting with Keller Williams because they toot all about their culture. Right. And so I remember being in, at Keller Williams and being in this fucking, it felt like a four by six room with the tile ceilings and <laughs> I'm going to fucking die in here. I cannot, I can't do this. Now my, I got a big old open office, 25 foot ceilings, garage doors for my office. Like I made it what I wanted. And that's it. And finding that drive inside of folks. I think that's, you nailed it. Um, if you want to wear the Doc Martens and the tutu, but believe it's you. You know, believe whatever that fucking is, believe it is you and own it. I think that's the key. So what do you do when someone's in there not really believing who they are? Do you keep them around and cultivate them or do you kick them out? It depends. So I don't really know whether I'm not good at everything, but there's one thing I am good at and it's I've got a very good sense of people, right? Maybe it's because I was came from a rough part of England and you're always on your toes. So you got to know the good guys from the bad guys. Yeah. Um, so when somebody sits down, within two seconds, I know what type of person they are, and I know if they're going to be a good agent. Now, sometimes people bust out, you know, here's, my, here's what I've been doing. I'm like, you know what? Great. I don't want that to, to, to get color how I, this conversation we're going to have. Let's just wrap. Yeah. And so I don't, PLG Estates is not adult daycare. I don't fill the corridors with people who I hope close a deal. Now, if I've got guys who are giving everything they got and they're struggling, I ain't going to kick them out. I'm going to nurture them. I'm going to love them. These guys are like my family. 
Yeah. I mean, for real, the love that you feel at our office is palpable. Yeah. We all watch each other's backs. There's no bitchiness. There's no clicks. There's no like top producer stardom. We're all in it. We're autonomous. We're like a pack of wolves. We all, when one of us wins, we all win. Yeah. When one of us loses, we circle the wagons. Fantastic, man. So we're coming up on the uh, hour. I want to just say, I appreciate you being here, my friend. Where can these guys <laughs> connect with you? We're, 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 obviously, you've mentioned a couple of platforms. What's the best way to, to start following you and get connected? So <laughs> if you Google me, uh, Peter Lorimer, L-O-R-I-M-E-R, there is an old soccer player with my name. I'm not him. <laughs> so uh, uh, if you can go to PeterLorimer.com. Uh, Peter Lorimer is Instagram, is Twitter. Peter Lorimer official Facebook. Peter Lorimer official YouTube. I'm easy to find. Fantastic. Yeah. You're, you're very interesting because, um, you know, you're, you're, most of the people in your age generation, Thanks. they are able to go consume <laughs> content, but they aren't able to produce content. Right? And I, I truly believe that I might be one of the most blessed generations on the planet, especially in business, because I saw the way business was done before we had Dropbox and DocuSign and Facebook and, and Instagram and now TikTok. I, I saw that, but now I also was young enough where I grew up in the 90s, man. Like I had Reeboks, uh, you know, pumps. I had Nintendo 64. Like that was my life. So when, when it, Facebook became a thing, like it was natural for me to, to start promoting my business. It was natural for me. So I got this one last question. How in the fuck were you able to get on the bandwagon when most of the people in your generation might fucking figure it out? Okay. So I, I, let me, let me, let me kind of give you the, 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 there was a moment in time where for me, everything was a no brainer, right? When I discovered Facebook, okay. I, I'm, I've got a few, I got like a two or three little anecdotes for you. So when I discovered Facebook, I literally was foaming at the mouth. I'm like, Oh shit. This is the future of everything. Cause I saw that everybody was just clicking in. I'm like, Whoa, this is like a contained audience right here. This can be monetized. And so I'm like, you mean, I don't need to take out stupid freaking ads in the yellow pages and in the LA times and all this horse shit. I can just post what I'm doing online and people see it. Boom. No brainer. Ran into my manager. And this is not a Keller Williams bashing session, but I ran into my manager at Keller Williams and I'm like, we need to stop spending money on anything but Facebook. We need to put all the money into Facebook. And I'm like, you know, and she looked at me with horror and she said, Facebook is for like, you know, it's for hobbies and puppies and going on holiday. And I'm like, she said, it's, it's just a fad. And I'm like, sister, you are so out of the loop. And then, so that is what happened. And then uh, I, real estate for me uh, in LA was very, very undervalued. So I went deep into that. I actually kind of felt the crash was coming in 2007. So I sold everything. I kept a couple. I'd picked up a lot of properties. I dumped most of them. And then I waited. And then I got, uh, uh, in about 2008, when the market was shit, um, I got a schematic of, uh, I was in a chat room. Remember chat rooms? You too young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember them. AOL chat had chat rooms. Before AOL, there were even other ones, oh, right? Shit. Just nerds oh, like me, like, hey, man, have you, have you looked at the Commodore 64 computer and mousepad? It's awesome. I was one of those guys. And somebody sent a schematic of, uh, of an iPhone, a drawing, a hand-drawn picture of an iPhone. And I was like, oh, shit. So I call my wife and I'm like, we need to take all the money in the bank, which wasn't that much, 
and we need to deploy it all into Apple stocks. We bought Apple at 83 and then we bought Google. And just so I saw, I, there was a role of technology, a wave of technology, which to me, I was, I don't know, 40 at the time. I was like, or 30. I'm like, this is a no brainer. Why isn't everybody doing this? Yeah. And the evolution continues. And I, you know what it is, Colton? And shit, I'm giving you a long answer. And I'm probably going out of bounds left and right. The bottom line is this. I will not be ruled by fear. And if I sense something, and if I think it's right, even if I can only get 65% of the way there, I'm going to jump. And if I'm wrong, I don't care. I don't care because I live in the United States, the best country in the world. I live in California, in a, a state I love, in LA, in a city I love, with my wife and three children. What is the worst that can happen? I think you waited till the end of the entire fucking show to give the absolute best of the program today because, you know, there's one thing. I always, at the end of it, I look at what is a characteristic, an attribute I could take from this guy. From the get-go, your fucking enthusiasm is through the roof. <laughs> I would assume that that just is natural for you. That's just Kinda. who you are. And, and maybe you developed it uh, strategically or by accident, but that is seems to be something that is very important. The second thing is, is... I'm not going to let fear rule my fucking life. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to trust the conveyor belt. I'm going to trust the next present coming along is going to be full of something awesome. And if it's got some shit in it, well, I'll deal with the shit the best I can when that shit pops up. Love That's it, it, man. Completely appreciate you. Uh, I'd love to connect with you more. I'll shoot you a DM. Uh, just connect with me on Instagram. Let's stay in touch. Uh, good luck on what's going forward with you and have a great rest of the day, my man. See ya. You too. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Colton Lindsay Show. 